0: This is TSN 1200.
1: It is. Welcome back. 919 on a Monday. It's Jr. Simmer. Maddie Vowles is sitting in for a hammer today. Um, few texts are sneaking through. We've had issues with our text machine all morning. Um, so we're re- uh, attempting to rectify that. In fact, uh, this text comes in. Uh, one that did get through it said, good morning, guys. I send you one text in every 30 seconds since I'm getting your standard <laughs> automated message thanking me for it. Hammer's been gone one day and your technology blows up. Fire is replacement. Whoa. Cheers. That comes from Whoa. unsigned. Whoa. Apparently, uh, Maddie Fowler, you're wow. responsible oh, now no. for
2: the text technology as well as everything else. Uh, that's, I, that's it. Like I said, I think Hammer planned this. And also to that, make sure we'll see if that's Mrs. Hammer's number. Uh, and to that, I also, I was saying, Hammer, you got to get up here and fix this. And. There was the shot right there, morning, walking out of Dunkin' Donuts, as Hammer promised, and our next guest uh, would know very well from his college days, but he was walking out of the Boca Raton, Dunkin' Donuts, and just ready to rock and roll for a little doubleheader for the Nepean baseball. Why would our
1: next guest know about Dunkin' Donuts in Boca
2: Raton, Florida? Good morning to Jamie Baker. Well, because his daughter played at Vermont, and of course he went to St. Lawrence. Nobody went to St. Lawrence, but he knows the influence of Dunkin' Donuts in the Northeast. Right, Bakes? I do. I do. (laughs) Are there any in San Jose? <laughs> uh, none that I'm aware of. Okay. No. okay.
1: Bet yeah. you didn't Starbucks,
0: think... Starbucks quite prevalent out there. That's true, America. yeah.
1: Bet you didn't think that this appearance would start with a Dunkin' Donuts re- uh, <laughs> reference, did you?
0: Well, better than starting off with the power play.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to ease into it, babe. <laughs> should 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 we save that for question two, or do you want to start there?
0: It's, it's up to you guys. Okay. The floor is yours. <laughs> okay. All right, all right.
1: Matt, does it, it? It just feels like the team as as and just to think about it, Bakes. One week ago, at this very moment, they were just heading out on the road. and There was a game against Chicago, and everybody was feeling so great. And it's amazing, isn't it, how much things can change in seven days?
0: It's crazy, isn't it? And it's the highs and lows of a of a marathon season. That's really what it is. It's it's hard to think that their play, which was so good was going to be sustainable. I mean, the only team that has really had that type of consistency all year is Boston. Every team has their ups and downs, and, you know, there's volatility in the season, and you can lose not just momentum but even a, just a little bit of confidence. Maybe you're not getting the, the breaks. Um, just little – there could be little systematic errors in the game. Nothing huge, but it's such a fine line to to win – versus losing at the NHL level that it, it just changes the complexion of like where you are and like you're back into that uh oh here we go kind of mode. And the interesting thing about the road trip is of um, the four games so far, the one playoff, the one team that's in the playoffs they actually beat and, you know, they've given up five goals in the other three games to teams that are currently outside of the playoff picture. So like you wouldn't have predicted that. Like you, you would have thought maybe Seattle was the toughest game, but you know, lo and behold, they lost to Chicago, Van, and Calgary.
2: Feel like on the power play that nobody really wants the puck right now. And I know guys are shooting, but isn't anybody like doing the old beaver tail? Like, hey, give me the puck, man! I want to hammer this thing home.
0: It's it's definitely forced. Um, you know, when this power play has really clicked this year, their their puck movement is so good. Their movement themselves off the puck is really good. So you've got two different factors that, you know, force the penalty killing teams, uh, into a little bit of stress, if you will. Like it's, it's tough when teams, if you're a penalty killer, you like it when the other team are, you know, they have like three or four guys on the perimeter and they're not moving the puck at a robust pace. Like you like that because then it has, it allows you time. You're, you have inside body position, but you, it allows you time to make the, you know, subtle adjustments, body position, getting in the shooting lane, taking passing lanes away with your stick and whatnot that need be, and finding where the other players on the power play are. We're also seeing the penalty killers make some adjustments. Um, they're a little more aggressive on, on the Sens power play. So the Sens, I think when, when you have that type of uh, penalty kill where they're going to be aggressive, I think you have to, move, like, you can't just rely on your passing You, the players away from the puck have to move a little bit quicker to create those open passing lanes, and then when they get the puck, maybe even move it, move it right away, or they have to move to help create the next passing lane, if you will. So, just quicker execution, and I've always thought, you know, I was more of a penalty killer at the pro level, but I was a penalty killer all through college and in junior and stuff like that, uh, or power play guy, sorry, but. When you go up against a power play and they're just pounding pucks away, you know, they, they get the puck. When there's an open shooting lane, they're taking their shot. Once there's a shot, everybody has to look towards the net. They're trying to find, is there a save made? If there's a rebound, where's the rebound? Then you're trying to, you know, get you obviously get possession of the puck to try and clear it. So there's it can create a little bit of chaos. So I think when you're struggling, simplify the power play get more pucks to the net, and get more bodies to the net. So the two guys on the flank, you know that whoever, like if it's and if it's Shabbat up top, if he's got a shooting lane, he's going to take the shot, get more bodies to the net, try and get some ugly goals, and then work from there to try and get you know more of those tic-tac-toe one-timers that we've seen them do so well this season.
1: Are we putting too much emphasis on, you know, because it's, it's been six games where the power play has gone scoreless, uh, and before that, I mean, for the most part, the power play has been dynamic all year. Putting way too much emphasis on this over the, you know, over the past six games when really there are a lot bigger issues at play with this team right now.
0: Well, it's, it's an issue because like they were showing last night, that, you know, during the game on the broadcast, TV broadcast, like sends lead the league in percentage of goals that are on the power play. So what happens when the power play dries up, it's going to affect your offense. And, you know, when they went on that nice five game run, they were getting, you know, the power play wasn't necessarily on fire, but they were getting depth scoring. But depth scoring has been an issue throughout the course of the year. Adding Chikrin is helping, you know, I, you know get a little bit more offense from the defense. But the defense, when you look at it categorically against other teams this year, they're not one of the higher you know offensive um, or point getting defense cores in the league and then it's you're leaving it up to basically five on five the top two lines and the majority of those in recent games the last couple of games last couple of weeks has been the top line so once you start to narrow it down it's it's not that these issues haven't been there before but the one area that was kind of you know the sunshine that was hiding hiding you know some of these errors which is that's what that's what good teams do like you have some areas of your game you want to exploit it and take it to the forefront and it, it masks some of the deficiencies because every team has a deficiency or pretty much every team has a deficiency somewhere. Um, but now that the power plays, it, it's not that it's just dried up. It's also the, the chances against, like they could have given up more shorthanded goals slash snake. So that's where I see a lack of confidence in this group is it's not just the lack of production offensively it's the fact since the all-star break they've only scored 7 goals but the fact that they've given up seven shorthanded goals like if you hadn't given up those it, it doesn't look as bad just statistically but the fact that you're at a break even mark since the all-star break you know goals for goals against in the power play is is not very impressive whatsoever and it was going to affect the team's Um, the outcome of games at some point and it has here on this road trip
2: well when things go wrong bakes and again professionally you have to kind of find blame and as i look at the bottom six of the forward group i was kind of like well i don't think this is sustainable because the majority of them have no record of ever scoring when you really hone in on this is what really let them down five on five quite simply has been the play of de and batherson
0: yeah that second line you know hasn't contributed at the pace that you would think and you're seeing like Batherson has struggled at times five on five this year. And even to bring it lately, you, to me, he's chasing the game and I didn't watch him enough when he was in Chicago, but he allowed the game to come with, come to him. Like, you know, especially when he was out there with Kane, like he is, his potency is is one-timer, his shot. He's got a great shot. So I, I, like, I was kind of paying attention to him last night. And even on the, you know, on that one goal on the shorthanded goal, like, He's not a defenseman, but he was just caught reaching, you know, and I go back to the game in Chicago to bring it. He just did a flyby in the defensive zone that ultimately led to a goal by Chicago. Like he didn't stop. He didn't get underneath the guy's stick on the wall. Like, so he looks like a guy right now that's questioning his own game. Like, what do I need to do to create an impact? What do I need to do to create more offense? Last night, I forget what period it is he had a good chance. And he shot it right into the glove. I think it was in the second period. And I thought, you know, I feel like in those 40-goal seasons, that one goes in the net. Because he had time. He had time to get the quick release. He could have gone, you know, short, low glove, like right along the ice or over the glove. But he didn't. Or right over the shoulder. You know, but he didn't. He kind of shot it right into the glove. And I'm like, that just exemplifies kind of the type of season that he has had and then Batherson's been streaky um you know he's got a lot of point production on on the power play this year but even his reliability 5 on 5 like he's working on being a better two-way player and i i can guarantee you the coaches are on him about it but it's something that just doesn't happen overnight and you got to change the details and habits of your game and i think that i think both those guys are working on that and they haven't found their game or their chemistry as a line enough to be a real potent offensive, uh, you know, contributing line on a consistent basis.
1: With our Sens analyst, uh, Jamie Baker. So Jake Chickren has now played, I believe it's five games with the Sens, maybe six. Um, and he was getting top four minutes and in fact, top two minutes the last few games. But, you know, to, to start, he was kind of paired on the on the so-called third pairing, but he was basically playing with everybody. Last night, they finally kind of moved him in with Sanderson, but, just, been. what's your overall thought on uh, on Chikrin through the five or six games he's played?
0: I mean, love the skating ability. Love the subtle plays that he makes in the defensive zone. Um, he can be creative offensively, like, like the way he reads the play. Like, he's got a good read. Like, he's thinking, I want to contribute offensively. So he's got that mindset. Um, you know, I know he made that one bad pass last night on the power play. It was forced to cross the blue line that you know led to a scoring chance he ended up blocking a shot down low but um i liked his game and i just see so much upside to what he can bring here like he when you have the skating ability that he has it allows you to be a little more aggressive in the offensive zone knowing that you can get back and he's got great mobility in the defensive zone like i said there's just little subtle plays that he can make bump passes or whatever. So he sees the ice pretty well. So all in all, I've liked his game so far. I mean, it's, it's uh, what's been systematic here in the last, you know, of the on this road trip, I think is also, there's a touch of fatigue that's hit the team and you can see it in their play. Like they just don't sustain that forecheck check as a team as, as much, um, you're not seeing as much confidence. They're making more mistakes defensively. So when you throw a guy in like Chikrin, it also, it's tough to totally analyze when the team in the last four games hasn't played as well as they had in the, like, the last three weeks or so.
2: Those last four games, 19 goals against, uh, yeah. three for Sogard, You know, one game for Mandalese. And i got to be honest with the Bakes, I've been incredibly impressed with the composure. But how nervous is this hockey team going to be when you look at the eight, ne- next eight opponents in comparison to what yeah, you, you played last week. Like you said, three of the four not playoff teams. Good players. But you're giving up nineteen and four and you look at these next eight games and say, Man, something better change here in a hurry. You're gonna get it's gonna get ugly.
0: You could kind of see it, um, especially at the end of the game last night, Brady Kachuk, he stayed out a little like when they were all going off the ice, he stayed out there a little bit and the camera panned on him and it was like he was in deep thoughts, you know. And they're like, we need to figure this out. DJ Smith said after the game, like, I trust this leadership group. They're going to be able to figure this out. Well, they have to figure it out now because the next couple of weeks, the next two, three weeks, are there's a lot of hockey to be played against some really good teams. So, like, as to a man, they have to play better defensively. They know that. You can't give up the, the amount of goals that they've been given up. You can't give up the amount of odd man rushes, quality, grade A scoring chances. So first and foremost, they have to shore things up defensively. And that, that means the way you also play in the offensive zone. You know, if, if your D are going to be aggressive and they're pinching your high forward, you have to, you have to make sure that you're covering for that D. You can't cheat hoping that the D wins a 50-50 puck. It's the same thing on, you know, Pinto turned that puck over in the neutral zone. Yes, he did. Like, it was a bad turnover. But it's not like the D for Calgary was backing off. Like, there was a bit of a 50-50 chance there. Pinto should have done a soft chip, get it in the offensive zone. But you've got the two wingers and Shabbat are all assuming that he's going to win that 50-50 play. He doesn't. And it leads to a two-on-one going the other way. So somebody's got to cover like, you have, to, you have to at some point say, as much as we want to focus on our offense, we have to say, oh, this is a situation that there could be a turnover. It's, this isn't an 80% chance that he's going to be able to get it in the offensive zone. It's only a 50-50. Because of that, I'm going to stay back a little bit so we don't give an odd man o- opportunity. Yet. So you got to start doing that on a, on a shift-by-shift basis, something that they've kind of gotten away from here in the last four games.
1: I've got uh, the Islanders. Uh, Bakes will let you go with this uh, on pace for 92 points in eighth place right now. Sends would have to go 11 and five in their last 16. You know uh, the essentials of what's left on the schedule. It's tough. I mean, is 11 and five in in reality? Is it doable?
0: Not really, because of the the strength of schedule. How tough it is. Um, I mean. Does Jamie Baker want them to? Absolutely. It's a tough task for them to be able to do it. They got to get on another roll starting tomorrow night against Edmonton. Like they have to take care of business at home. And then you may need your goalie to, to steal a few games. The beauty of this team is they've been surprising us all year. So it's easy for us to say, yeah, this, I mean, it does look doubtful because of the schedule. Um, but, it's still possible and if they find ways to do it it would be you know incredible i still go back like they're paying for the month of november if you go back to that four nine and one month if you take two of those losses and turn them into wins um you know this is actually very very doable so they're, they're paying for that tough start in november you're, you're gonna have a up and down swing throughout the year but since december 1st the game has been good and you know Yes, this road trip hasn't been great, but I didn't think that I didn't see them sustaining it as much as they were. However, could they get on a little bit of a roll? I would love to see it. I just don't know. You know, they've got Boston, they've got Tampa, they've got they've got Carolina a couple times. So it would be an impressive feat if they can. But if I had to lay a bet, I would bet that they are probably just a few points on the outside looking at. Them.
2: If not 11 and five, would 12 and four be more realistic?
0: <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> the I, table. I was told there was no math. <laughs>
2: All
1: right. Good stuff, Bakes, as always. Appreciate it, pal. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, guys. All right. There's Jamie Baker, our SENS analyst on the Gabriel Pizza Hotline. Gabriel Pizza is the official pizza of the Ottawa Senators. We'll take a break, still to come. We got another code word for you in our Great SENS Jersey Giveaway Contest. If you got a code word into us Friday, stand by. We'll announce our Friday winner of our last Thomas Shabbat jersey. Uh, As well as we uh, continue along toward uh, 10 o'clock, that's when Lee Versage, Graham Creech, will take over in the box right here on TSN 1200.
0: This is TSN 1200.
1: Welcome back, 944. Thanks again to Jamie Baker for joining us. By the way, one of our other SANS analysts, Brad Smith. The shooter tutor, as he apparently likes to be known now, is turning 50 years old today. Oh, wow. Congratulations to our friend,
2: Smitty. Got a uh, first Nick. scouting back in the day, JR. Watched him play in Greensboro. Um, That would have been Florida's farm team. If you look it up in hockey database, he and his line mates uh, put up monster points. And then, as part of the power play in good old uh, Manchester, part of LA's farm team, always had the big hammer on You're looking for a solution on the power play. Yeah. You, you bring in Capital City Smitty. You had Brad Smith out exactly. there. Maybe that's the... We should
1: have put that as a, one of the... Uh, one of these solutions well, yeah. on our web poll question. Back, back in the
2: day, it was him and I think Mike Camilleri, Dustin Brown, uh, maybe mixed in uh, Gerbachev or Uh No one oh, of the I ones he was a guy you had in front. Yeah, exactly. You've already forgotten his name. Uh, Gorbachev.
1: <laughs> Gorbachev was No, no, he's president of he the He played U.S. without yeah. a helmet. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he did.
2: Yes. yes Anyways, did. uh yeah, all oh, great memories of Smitty though and uh, AHL Hall of Famer, pretty uh, pretty cool.
1: And a uh, hell of a coach now too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Brad named last week as the uh Hockey Eastern Ontario uh, U18 uh, AAA coach of the year.
2: Yeah, it was awesome. So, yeah, go? congratulations.
1: Uh and by the way, Braden Point also celebrating a birthday today. Mm-hmm. 27 years old today he's already uh, he's heading toward 50
2: goals this year so he's in an incredible year feels like he's been around forever yeah uh, and what a great story and you talk about smallish players in junior and you hit the uh, the jackpot it's kind of like a third, mark stone third right third round pick yeah amazing our
1: tsn 1200 tool and equipment store web poll question for you today is what is the biggest issue with the sens power play What's the biggest issue with the Sens power play? Is it the setup? Is it personnel? Is it just puck luck? I mean, you're due for a bit of a a downswing after what's been overall. Pretty good year for the power play. Setup, personnel, puck luck. Simmer?
2: Uh, Well, I'll go personnel. Uh, They have enough skill. So if that's not working there, you got to switch it up. And boy, oh boy, when I watch the thing that Claude Giroux does on a power play that's not happening right now is there's a sense of urgency. And every little pace that he makes in every pass, and we've also talked about having chicken as far as a hammer. So I'll go personnel, um, but certainly you could argue easily, Jr. Uh, all of the above.
1: Yes, but we don't offer that as I know, an option I know. because <laughs> that's what everybody would choose. Yeah. That's so the great I, thing about yeah, these so questions. Yeah,
2: so I would for sure switch it up. I'd go with some different looks and the luxury you have in a Claude Drew uh, uh, most times on your second unit, mm-hmm. uh, that's not something, again, you even go to last year when he got traded to Florida. Well, one of the reasons you acquire him, and I'm not faulting it because for a long time they were very good, but. I wouldn't have thought that coming into the year that that would be the case because he has been one of uh, the best players on the planet the last uh, 12, 14 years on the power play. Matty Vowels.
1: Set up personnel puck lock. What's the biggest issue with the Sens PP?
2: I also uh, voted that the PP issue for Ottawa is the personnel. Uh, I just think that it's gotten a little stale and uh, as as you guys have been discussing on the show, especially some of the shakeups that were made last night, Don't really make sense. Why don't you move Giroud up? um,
1: Just leave him on with his regular line. That was my point.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. the the, Claude Giroux. The top line's been one of the only things that's... It's one of the things that's been firing all cylinders in the past while. If you're going to shake up the uh, power play unit, why not... Put that together. They yeah. have chemistry. And the other thing you need, guys, again, outside of the obvious, okay, I need a heavy shot. One of the things that made it so effective, and I talked about this in training camp, get Debrinket on the on the half wall. Well, that half wall presence, and that's when you meet Timmy Stutes on the other side, JR. You walk off that boards with some authority. That's how you back the play off. And as Debrinket's pace overall has fallen, he is no longer, and, and I swear, is not shooting the puck with near the velocity, and part of that just comes from hey, you come off of there with a purpose. Like you think of Joe Sackick back in the day, right? We'd walk off that half wall and just, you know, send a laser toward mm-hmm. the net. It backed everybody off, and I don't have that right now. Yeah, what's been interesting to me is in the early part of the year
1: with the Brinket, with the Brinkett, you know, and he's been in the same position on the power play all season, right? Uh, as the kind of the one-time shooting uh, 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 threat off the, uh, off the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. In the early part of the year, yeah, it felt to me like the the defenses knew that's where Ottawa wanted the puck to eventually go. Yeah. Uh, right. And they overplayed it a little bit. And so I was kind of like, okay, that's, that's understandable that that's what you'd, so you're giving up, you know, you gotta, you gotta give up something to get something right. So, so take advantage. And I think Ottawa was taking advantage of other options that therefore became open. Mm-hmm. I don't notice as much now that uh, teams are overplaying Dabrinkat. No. And it's just, it's really odd to me. Like the whole thing, we've had numerous discussions about Dabrinkat. Yeah. And again, not suggesting in any way whatsoever he's a bad player and we can look at shooting percentage, that mm-hmm. it's a below his career average. Understand all of that. If, if just, and this is just eye test, there's no analytics or whatever. There's just something that's missing from uh, like a dynamic threat right now that's missing from his game that has to have been there. You don't score 40 no, goals no. twice and be on pace for 50 goals once without having that in your game. But it feels like yeah. for most of the season, it's been missing.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, you don't look into you to say, hey, he's not he's 25, not 35, JR. And to that, what is so incredible, and it is the CI test, but the other part teams have realized, either doesn't want to shoot the puck right away, and that's one of the things we also saw. I didn't realize what a great playmaker he is. He, he's basically, yeah. when shooting properly, he's everything you want in a half-wall player, because he can dish it off. But now nobody is nervous about that threat. And, and you think about kind of one-dimensional players. I'll use Mike Hoffman as an example. I mean, you know, the Hoff could, could pass a little. But as a left shot on that left side, everybody in the building knew what was happening. And it was still amazing that he would score short side so many times, JR. There isn't that right now. Teams are watching and, and they're not afraid of anybody that's shooting the puck right now, unfortunately.
1: All right, so let us know what you think at tsn1200.ca. What's the biggest issue with the Sens power play? I threw up on my own personal Twitter just a uh, fun question regarding the Sens and the playoffs. uh, As uh, Well, we're down to the short strokes now. 16 games to go for Ottawa. Mm -hmm. So I've got the Islanders on pace for 8th place Mm -hmm. at their current uh, 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 pace. 8th place and 92 points. Ottawa's uh, 6 back. They do have 2 games in hand. So Ottawa would have to go 11-5. and Yeah. over their last 16 games to get to the 92 points that the Islanders are on pace for. And that's, I'm discounting all the other teams that are in the mix as well. I'm just saying if 92 points is the magic number to get to, Ottawa needs to go 11 and five. I mm-hmm. asked, can they do it? Simple yes or no. And if I asked this a week ago, <laughs> I think we probably flipped the numbers. Mm-hmm. I asked this morning coming off, a pair of losses on the weekend, including 5-1 last night to Calgary. 69% right now are no, and 31% are yes. I'll just yeah. read some of the replies to yeah. the tweet, and then you can weigh in. Okay. Uh, please don't give me hope again. It took me a while to accept reality last night that they're okay. done. From Dino, major strides to becoming a playoff team, but they're done. Bright future. Mike writes, don't let the 0-3 record against non-playoff teams this past week fool you. They aren't getting... Uh, he wrote not 80, but I think 90 points. Yeah. Uh, uh, JR Canada writes, DJ still coaching? Not a chance. And, uh, okay, so those are some of the replies to
2: the tweet. Well, he- here's if you want to go into simple facts and you kind of look at the opponents here. What got me believing was that Clunker in Montreal, and they won 5-2. When they rolled through Detroit twice, I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to take some notice here. They're actually scoring a five on five. When they went and beat the Rangers on the Kane night, I'm like, okay, man, game on. Then you have Columbus, you have Chicago. But if you also want to go back to guys, when they've been on this stretch and playing well, the two games they were not really in were Boston and Carolina. I, I know they hung around, but they were superior opponents. And that's when they were playing really well. So if you do the weight of the schedule, the next eight games, JR, along with where they're at as a team, along with no experience goaltending, yeah, it's going to take a lot. As I said, it it does not really stack up when you start to really honestly look at who you're going to be facing here for the rest of this month. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, Bakes kind of touched on it, but it, it, you know, it starts tomorrow against Edmonton, which is a really, really good team and it's on the road and it's the end of a five game road trip. And then it's back home to Colorado and then Toronto and then at Pittsburgh, how big a game is that? And then back to back at Boston Mm. and then back home to Tampa, Jersey, and then Florida. I think that's Over the next two weeks, I believe it's eight games over the next two weeks and not one of them. Well, all all of those teams are ahead of Ottawa right now
2: in the standings. Yeah. And and then you also go into the ebbs and flows here, and I look at this being honest. And if you tell me at the end of the year, they're going to finish with 85 points. I think that's somewhat realistic based on the rest of the schedule. Could they
1: get to eighty-eight, which was my preseason prediction? Could they just get to eighty-eight? Absolutely. Just, to, just to, yeah, you know, well, what just they got to go just for Johnny. Yeah,
2: yeah just for Johnny. Just uh, for Johnny. Um, but it is uh, you know. But then I would take a step back and I would say, okay, is that where you thought they'd be in the season? Well, certainly our playoff hopes got all, but it also wouldn't be sky is falling. And then some issues you'd look at quite simply from a personnel standpoint. But one of the biggest things here was solving the back end and solving the Jake Chickren and, and are bringing in Jake and like it's man uh, with Ridley, Greg, with a lot of other things here, right. man, it, it's really a positive future for the franchise. So that's where I wouldn't even get super down on them. You know, I would be more of, Hey, you got to obviously address that, that six, you got to, you know, figure out, and this is part of solving it. I know Debrinkit, Batherson, and Shabbat are all better players, you know, going forward. So how do you solve that? How do you become better as a group? Uh, How do you do that stuff internally to take the next stretch and along with building up that bottom. And
1: look, the the 16 games that are left, even if they don't result in what people uh, uh, want, which is a playoff spot, Hmm. you can still, I think, not fully answer, but you can, you know, you can get some ideas about some things going forward. And I think one of the big ones is, is Mad Sogard you know, capable of being one of your two goalies next season, and I'm assuming uh, with uh, with Anton Forsberg uh, mm-hmm. back, although that's a major recovery from two knee issues. And did they? Did somebody texted in this morning and said on the broadcast last
2: night he had surgery. Oh, I no, I Which never heard. That.
1: They they had said that he didn't have to have <laughs> surgery, and I'm not sure if that was said mistakenly or whether something changed. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah,
2: because uh, I was going to say for the amount of Sens players that have tried rehab. <laughs> Then had yeah. to go have surgery, and, and now... That
1: shoulder, though, not that, knee. No, I Usually know, different. I
2: know, and, and I under also understand talking to MJ part of the thing, but man, from from White doing it, to Pinto, to Norris, to Boucher, uh, no, but I remember, you know, DJ Smith saying distinctively, JR, um, hey, no no surgery, which I didn't realize, but the, until I actually see him walking with my own eyes, uh, <laughs> and I'm actually just joking, he'll be fine, but that is just one of the wildest injuries that I've ever seen. I've never, ever, ever heard of somebody Blowing out both knees in the same game. Anyway, there should be no shortage of
1: action for Mads Sogard uh, if he's going to yeah. get, let's say, two thirds of the games the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but again, my question is going to be: at that point, he'll have, if he plays two thirds of the games, he'll have what twenty games of NHL experience. Yeah. Yeah. And even if he's outside of shutting out every team, I'm still like, <laughs> I'm not sure. I and I and I, I, and I, I you know. What I've seen at the NHL level, I really like. Like it looks like he's looks like he potentially could be the long term answer in net. But I'm talking about next year. And right now, the next year depth chart is a guy coming back from two major knee injuries, the same guy. (laughs) And then you've got a guy with maybe twenty games NHL experience. And then the next guy is a guy with six games NHL experience, Mandelise and then it's whatever they might decide if they do decide to do and i'm assuming that they will well Maryland will come over um, okay, but, but again but, oh, he's, oh, he's for sure. zero yeah. north american professional experience yeah, for sure for sure so you're not counting on him next year is a year you have to have to make the playoffs so next
2: year going to be a good start we need a good start <laughs> anyway
1: we'll have this debate about <laughs> yeah. 17 billion oh, times don't. over the next 6 it, months yeah, i'm just yeah. saying Dabrink at contract and what of the goaltending are two of the biggest, biggest, biggest questions. Yeah, they
2: really are. And if you kind of go through the checklist, JR, from what I've seen of Sogard, and I would play him other than back-to-backs, and I guess if Talbot comes back, but hey, play him as much as you can. Everything that I've seen so far tells me he could be a backup in the NHL next year. I think a bigger question has to be, is that tandem and is Forsberg from what we saw this year is that good enough as a number one to get you to the playoffs in a really tough division? That, that to me, is even a bigger question. And then, you know, the mystery, just like this year, bringing in a Talbot, well, who is that next guy? You know, what are you doing? I know some people have texted in today asking about John Gibson, uh, the Demco thing, I'm not believing that's happening anytime soon. So, yeah, he, in, as a resolution, I, I guess to summarize, I have more confidence that Sogard can play in the NHL next year than I do that Forsberg can take you to the promised land of the playoffs right now. hmm Anyway, we'll uh we'll see lots of him over the next yeah. uh four weeks the remaining the, d- the four demeanor weeks of the, the demeanor is the part for me with Sogar Jair that I really gives me so much faith. And, and I just remember when Robin Leonard would come up, although he scrambled a lot more, I, I just really, really it, it makes me feel like a young Ben Bishop. I just see that in there and I watch the athleticism which is good enough when you're six seven and that shot they had of him on Saturday night where I, I um What's his name? Uh, Louis DeBrusque was talking about him, where his his bum was basically at the crossbar. Mm. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, what a what a monster! But I just really really like the way uh, he's handled himself. That gives me a real good vibe going forward.
1: Yeah, yeah and I know zero about goaltending. Uh, uh, goaltending is voodoo for me. I just kind of watch how guys move around in the in the crease and the net and you, and with big guys. And some big guys have tons of holes. Like you can just see the way they move. Around. They don't just move very. F- Fluidly, no. if that's a you almost, well, you
2: almost get jammed but, on the post
1: at times. Yeah, right? and right? but he he feels like he's kind of free and easy the way he moves. Yeah. Maybe he's just yeah. a good athlete. Yeah, but I I you know I do I do get a, a good like I I don't think he's going to regress. No, I'm most concerned actually with him yeah. about the injury yeah. history. That's yeah. what gives me the most pause. Yeah. Is just the fact that it seems like every season since. Yeah since he's uh, even back in junior, right? It seems like he gets dinged up every year. Yeah,
2: that's a good point. And, you know, I think for a young big man, and we had Ole Kozig back in the day, and that was a big part of it, JR, uh, trying to lean himself out, which I don't think Sogard needs to do that, but it was just getting comfortable with your body. It's it's a lot of stress on the lower half when you're, you know, six foot seven, you know, no matter what your weight is and carrying around, it's, you it's, uh, yeah, it can be, uh, you know, a little time to get yourself untangled.
1: Uh, Ryan, this last text comes in, a good way to end. Uh, Morning, boys. Ryan writes, that weekend... Really took the wind out of my sails. I'm glad they're playing meaningful games now, but can someone please inform the organization that the games in October and November are also meaningful? Then maybe we won't be in this position next year that comes. Well,
2: and you have a guy like Jake Chickering that's such a quality person, and part of you as well has to be sitting around because he did play that Ranger game, and it was like a miracle oh my god, Jake Chickrens here, you gave up nothing, you won, and then you had the monster night, and then you're kind of looking around like jeepers, I I thought I was coming to a winning team here, you know what I mean, and, and that's the way athletes feel, you know, a guy like that would have a conscience and be like god, I want to want to be part of the solution which we all believe he is, you know, just unfortunate the way it's gone the other direction.
1: Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers on the docket tomorrow night, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. next up for the Sens coming off the two losses on the weekend. Stand by because much more on uh, the Sens weekend and everything else that uh, went down on a busy sports weekend, including The big weekend for Carlton and the World Baseball Classic. And Brad Gushu will be here for the World Men's Curling Championship as he won the Briar. Uh, That's all coming up over the next uh, four hours of In the Box. Lever Sage hosts today alongside Graham Creech. Uh, Then it's uh, AJ, CJ, and Big Red this afternoon on the uh, drive. And we will be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Enjoy the day. Thanks for listening to TSN 1200. Time has expired. There's the Hooters. Let's go to
2: eat a damn snack
0: pull up your pants take off the bra and be a man
2: did a horrible
0: job i'd be up that guy's ying yang so far with a firecracker he wouldn't know what hit him
2: surely